This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I'm Angela Cocott, and for Alex Pearson this week, she is back next week. A troubling revelation coming out of the House of Commons Defense Committee this week. The system that's supposed to detect incoming airborne threats to North America is incapable of responding to modern missile technology. We are talking about the North Warning System. It's an important conversation, obviously, as the world tries to predict Vladimir Putin's next steps. Richard Shamuka is a senior fellow at the Macdonald Laurier Institute with an expertise in Canadian and American foreign and defense policy, defense procurement, and modern air power. Good evening, Mr. Shamuka. Hi, thanks for having me. Why don't we just start off by uh, explaining what the North Warning System is? So the North Warning System is basically a series of radars. Uh, there's some sensors that are uh, that are not just radars, but like space base and whatnot that basically defend our sort of northern approaches uh, across the North Pole, through uh, Alaska, and also east towards uh, Newfoundland. Basically protects us, the United States and Canada, from any sort of uh, attack from the northern uh, from northern reaches, right? So mostly from the uh, from the Russian Federation or uh, China as well. That's, yeah, and that's why that I'm yeah. sorry, Richard. That's why we're talking about it so much these days. Now, this is part of NORAD. Just to clarify, when we talk about the North Warning System, it's it's part of NORAD. Then it's the core part of NORAD. It's basically what NORAD, what NORAD was set up to administer. Right? It's it's everything that NORAD does utilizes the North Warning System as its as its uh, main you know detection system. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the House of Commons Defense Committee this week, but I know you've had a chance in the past to testify before that committee. You've had a similar criticism about the, the, the system. Does it take a conflict like what's happening in Ukraine for politicians to understand just how serious the situation is? It shouldn't, because uh, I said similar things about a year ago. Uh, if you look back in the past decade, uh, the Russian Federation specifically started developing uh, specific types of weapons that were designed to sort of evade or avoid uh, the Northwest warning system as currently constituted, right? So, you know, this uh, this included sort of low-flying cruise missiles with really long range. And in the past three years, Putin himself had this huge kind of announcement where he identified a whole bunch of new sort of weapons and he to great fanfare like this was a major announcement and if you were in the defense committee it was all over sort of the chatter what's going on right and he he announced a whole bunch of other new weapons that were designed to evade um, our current northwest warning system so it shouldn't uh unfortunately i think just because of the timing of this current house of commons committee uh with ukraine going on it got a lot more attention than you know what has been said for a while. I mean, James Ferguson was on this uh, uh, on this current one. He was one of the loudest there. He's been saying this for basically a decade as well. So, I mean, yeah. Well, I, when you talk about the new weapons that uh, Putin has been very proud of, and we've heard it in the Ukraine conflict, the, the idea of these hypersonic missiles, 
explain why these are so frightening as we talk about a, an inadequate warning system. So hypersonics are actually a kind of an old technology, but in the past decade, basically, you've seen its practicality sort of increase. Uh, there's just been new uh, developments in the field that allow them to be utilized in a way that where they're more precise and they're more sort of effective than previous research uh, had kind of allowed for. And specifically, when we talk about Northwest Warning System, what they can do is that a, uh, they're able to maneuver at very, very high speeds that tip our traditional sort of missiles weren't able to do, right? So they're able to sort of move, like sort of ride at a very high altitude at very, very high speeds. And this basically made any sort of potential to sort of identify where they're going, what they may do, really much more difficult to sort of um, to predict by Northwest warning whatnot. There's also some level of, they're much harder to track just because of how they operate and whatnot. So those are some of the more key aspects of it. The other thing is that there's some, we don't have a full sort of um, defense against, there's no real like defense against the entirety of uh, what the Russian Federation has for uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles and whatnot. But there's a limited amount of defense there just with the American uh, ground-based um, interceptors and whatnot. These make them completely useless. There's no ability for them to do anything against them. So it's it's a much more frightening sort of capability that, that really negates a lot of anything that we have to sort of identify or predict what they may do. We have heard Defense Minister Anita Anand say that uh, the federal government is going to be uh, spending more to modernize uh, the defenses under NORAD. What would that look like? What do we need as far as bringing this system up to date then? So it's a bit of a challenge because this isn't just us, right? Because NORAD is a binational command and the United States and the Russian Federation, or sorry, United States and us, excuse me, uh, are yeah. part of NORAD, excuse me. Uh, and so they are part and parcel of any agreement to fund a, a renewal of the Northwest Warning System. And it's not actually just the U.S. government. It's actually also U.S. Congress because they actually appropriate the funding. So there's almost like a three-way dynamic here where how much we're going to spend really depends on our negotiations with the U.S. government and the U.S. military and then how much Congress is willing to spend and how much are they willing to cut us a deal, if that makes sense. So yeah, there's a lot of talk. It might it'll be upwards past $10 billion over, over, over a decade or so. You know, it's, it's hard to say. Again, it, it really depends on what, how America feels that what they need, what they think we both need, and how much are they willing to put that bill. I don't want you to be uh, a poli prof, but wow, today we just had the, the deal between the Liberals and the NDP, and the NDP have been very reluctant when it comes to spending and defense. I, I don't know if you want to wade down that road, but this will be interesting then when you start talking about in the billions and how we actually pay for that. How, how concerned are you about any strike from uh, Russia? We've, we've heard different analysts say, no, Russia's not thinking that way. They're just focused on uh, trying to defeat or win the, the war in Ukraine. How concerned are you, Richard? I'm not. I, I've, I've said personally, like I think what's going on in Ukraine, generally Russia does not want to keep it localized to Ukraine. But the problem with a lot of these kind of events, especially let's take the Cold War with the USSR 
and, you know, the West, right? It often, it's not that anybody was wanting nuclear war, right? It's often that just you have an event, uh, maybe like a mistaken shoot down or like in 1983 where there was an exercise that was misinterpreted, right? Then it spirals out of out of conflict, and right now we're at a very sort of tenuous position with uh, with the uh, with what's going on in Ukraine. Right, there could be an errant missile strike, or you know Russia hits, you know something happens, right, and then then it starts spiraling, spiraling, right, and that's where I think you have to be careful, right? Is the need for having these sort of capabilities is you know this these are the capabilities you have to invest long in advance, and you have you know, to protect us, to sort of deter them from going any further because they see an advantage because they don't see there's any reason for them to fall back because they, they don't know what our intentions are. You want to have those capabilities. So that's kind of where I would say why you need them. It's not that anybody wants to. And I don't right now, I think the chances are low, but you can never rule it out. And these are some really frightening sort of scenarios that you're looking at. Have we just become too complacent, whether it's the fact that we have been in quote-unquote peace times or that we always kind of look to the U.S. that, well, at least they'll do something and protect us? Is that a concern that we've just been complacent? I've heard that argument so many times, and it really it is really bothersome, right? And I think that right now, especially in this kind of situation and it's it's scary. Like it's it's one that you just you can't. I'm not saying that Americans will will not come to our defense. They will, right? But it, us being kind of free riders. That's actually the kind of the technical mm. term for it. Like you know, free riding on the United States. You know, that's not a great place to be because then you don't make decisions on some really important aspects of our own national security. Right? You 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 don't. You know, if we're not going to spend on northern defense. Then the Americans are just going to make decisions for us. And, you know, when it talks about, when we talk about ballistic missile defense or, you know, shoot, uh, responses to, you know, Russian aggression in the North, if we don't actually have capabilities to actually post up there and say, you know, this is our sovereign, these are our sovereign territory, this is what we're going to do, then, then you're letting the United States do it for It just it doesn't make sense to me. It, it really doesn't. It, and when you start like just thinking it through logically, it, it's a really poor place to be in, uh, in international relations. And it really reflects badly on Canada. And you see this in a lot of meetings lately, that Canada doesn't wow. spend nearly enough. And, and yeah. we're not really taken seriously. Richard, it's a conversation that we obviously have to have, and I'm glad we had it. Thanks so much for your time this evening. Thanks for having me. Richard Shamuka is a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute. I'm Angela Kokod in for Alex Pearson. You're listening to On Point.